Welcome to Question Authority, where the best and brightest marketers teach brands about the art and science of question. Today we're asking about survey research with Sam McNerney. Hey Sam, how's it going, man? I'm okay, thanks guys. So Sam, you're going to be talking to us about surveys and I guess in the more specific sense, uh, kind of audience research and, and buyer personas and kind of approaches in that sense. Is that, is that an accurate way to put it? The, the problems that you're solving for brands right now? Yeah, I would, in, in a way we're in the same business, uh, helping brands get feedback on their customers, but you guys are like building a scalable product and I'm doing ad hoc insight work. So right now I kind of have like an auto body shop model where I'm like, come to me with your problems. I'll fix you. I'll get you a good rate. I'll do it quickly. Like the auto body shop of survey-based research. Um, I come from the, the creative agency world. So I, I was at publicist for four or five years. And this is like one of those big standard Manhattan based, uh, ad firms. So the, the clients are like, uh, various PNG brands, uh, Walmart, uh, Citibank. Um, some like really, really huge accounts. Is that, you were kind of alluding to the, you know, this epiphany you had about working with smaller or medium sized brands versus, you know, global brands. That's, that's pretty much what you're talking about on that front. Yeah. I'd be really interested in hear like what your general perspective is on how smaller DTC brands, uh, like what they do well and what they don't do well. I think our goal is to make you in higher demand. Just get people to respect this kind of methodology or a bit more. I think uh, you said it in your thing a bit too, and I'm not sure if you were alluding to this, but just how addicted people are to like paid media, to Instagram and Facebook as an ad platform. And a question Mitch and I say is like, like how well do you actually know your customers? And does Facebook and Instagram know your customers better than you do? And I'd say like 99% of direct consumer brands would say, oh yeah, they know our customer way better than we do. We just spend money and people buy and we calculate a ROAS, like that's the whole game. Um, so and I think that's just getting harder and harder and harder. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I ask. I tend to, when I'm trying to do my homework and networking on people I would potentially do business with. So in this small to midsize DTC world, like one of the first questions I ask is like, what data do you currently have? Uh, and there's always this like VP of marketing, like, oh, like, <laughs> I want to understand that a little bit better, but I think what they're trying to say is they just don't have as much as they want. Yeah. Another big difference between my, the creative agencies and, and the world there is at the end of the day, it's like, okay, what are the insights? What are the survey results? Um, what do they actually mean in terms of like something I can change right now? Yeah. Uh, when you work with like Charmin and P&G, it's this like huge, like lofty comms planning. And you wouldn't get anywhere near their website or their products. So the hands-on approach is, I've really loved that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you asked earlier on about like, what have we seen in the space uh, working with DTC brands? And that's one of the obvious advantages, right? If you're a small to medium-sized brand, and especially if you're DTC and you have that connection to the customer, the path from insight to action is just so much shorter and more direct, right? That's definitely one of the distinct advantages. You know, and I think that's even ironic, Matt, you, you probably back me up. I think that 
uh, someone starts a DTC brand and you think like, oh, okay, well, clearly they recognize that a big part of the value here is that it's DTC, but a lot of times they don't, maybe because they haven't been in the space. Like, like you said, they haven't worked with, you know, global brands to understand like how, just how much effort and expense goes into being, you know, a PNG brand trying to actually reach and interact with a customer and have an exchange like that never happens. It's just so difficult to do that despite the millions and millions of dollars in the ad budget, just because you're not DTC, you know, there's that disconnect between customer and, and the brand. Yeah. It's first party data. Isn't really a phrase that's uttered in D2C offices all the time yet. It's probably uttered every other word in a large CPG company. Any particular studies come to mind that are just like, these are the kind of insights and uh, movement that you get from proper audience research and, and, applied behavioral science that you can't get from just, you know, third-party data and click and cookie data and stuff like that. Yeah. The, so I, I'll quickly tell the Charmin e example, cause it really kind of set off in motion, like me trying my hand foolishly, probably at becoming like an independent insights person that specializes in, in survey-based research. Hmm. So this is for Charmin. This is really simple. Uh, it, we just asked people, uh, how excited would you be if your office work bathroom suddenly started stocking uh, all the toilet paper with Charmin? That's interesting. Yes. So deliberately removing two things, normally measured control and price. Like, yeah. do you want this? Do you want to own this? And how much would you pay for this? Um, so it's like, all right, let's take that away from them. Um, by the way, this is all based on a true story. And it was my wife's idea to ask this question. Our office <laughs> switched away from Charmin because our like the pipes were old and they couldn't handle the two ply. And it was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like the office broke down. Like we cooed. Oh my God. So anyways, you, that's the survey. Um, and you can replicate it with other brands. We put in quilted Northern and, uh, Cottonelle and you could see that people uh, were most excited about Charmin. So it was, it was basically like a cool kind of like brand planning and exercise. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that led me. So I was like, man, that's just a survey. Like it's like an 80 year old uh, research technology that doesn't have like anything in the limelight, but uh, that's most, it's like, oh man, that's probably just because a lot of the people that do surveys are like really analytical and have background in stats. It's like, what if you throw like, uh, a humanities person at that, or exactly. I always wanted to get the creative department to do the surveys. Like, man, they would come up with sweet questions because they wouldn't <laughs> have to think about like biasing respondents and all those mechanics, which yeah. are at times really important. And then you kind of need to forget about them after a while. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, why do we leave these questions or why do we reserve the question asking to the analytical scientists, uh, and researchers and, and not open it up to, you know, the creative team and, and people like that, people with more of a humanities background. I feel like that could be a potential solution when you're trying to build a, a small brand and you don't have the budget for like, you know, a huge research team or even a huge marketing team, right? To say like this, this just becomes part of the culture of understanding and working with the customer, right? Like whether you're in HR and you're thinking about diversity, whether you're in customer service and you're, and you're thinking about whatever metric that you've got to achieve, if you've got everybody kind of thinking about it from the standpoint of like, hey, man, we're, we're DTC. We can talk to the customer. That's like a benefit we have. So anyone who's working here, no matter what you're doing, like you, you can talk to the customer or, you know, at least you can channel yourself 
through, uh, you know, the website or, or whatever property to the customer. And so I, I don't know that that could be like kind of an interesting uh, shift there, I think, is like not so much building out uh, the R&D team or the analytics team or, or the uh, market research team so much as just ingraining that sense of it into, you know, culturally into the whole org. Yeah. So obviously I couldn't agree more. I'll t yeah, I'll give you give you one example here to flesh this out a little. Um, it's something I was just doing doing for my own blog, like like a side project, and it was a survey asking about people who are interested in Peacock, NBC's new streaming platform. Because mm. I noticed something in myself, which is like, man, I actually really like Peacock's content. I like The Office and EPL. I think it's a good price. I actually think it's a like really good price. It's like $5 a month. Mm. And yet I don't want to sign up for this. Like what is preventing me? And it wasn't really subscription fatigue in the sense that it would be too much content. What it was is like at some point the internet's going to go down and I'm going to get logged out of this account and I'm going to have to remember my username and password. And that's going to be really annoying. Like that's, <laughs> that was it. So anyways, I designed this survey around that experience because I was like, this can't be me, just be me. And so it was something, it was like two questions. Again, it was short. It was ask people, if you got Peacock for free, uh, would you be excited? Mm. Um, and then the other question was, do you think the $5 a month is a good deal? Then I basically took every, everyone that said yes to each question and was like, okay, why don't you get it? Yeah. Uh, you just said that you think the content is good and it's a good deal. Like, why don't, why don't you get it? Yeah. What's the blocker? Yeah. This, this is like not how you're supposed to do surveys, by the way. You're supposed to be like <laughs> neutral and robotic. Um, you, you don't, you don't, you don't follow up your question with, well, what the hell, man? Yeah. But it's like, why not? Anyways, I mentioned this is like, just to riff on your point about that was kind of just out there for the taking, like a, a marketing person or an analytics person or the founder. Like they're all, I think, like in a good position to ask those kinds of questions. And then when it comes to actually like running a survey, like, yeah, well, you, you would want, you need someone to, uh, to actually do it, but that's the easy part. Yeah. You know, in, in product development and everything, there's something kind of generally understood and you pointed it out that you need different sample sizes of audiences to achieve different things. When you're doing like quality assurance, you basically can't have enough people hitting the thing, right. And testing it. But if you're doing usability, usually it's like 10 people will basically tell you what you need to know, you know, and it's like they, they will give you the direction that you need. And, and to your point, arguably it could be said the same thing could be said. And this is what always, you know, focus groups are always about, right. It's like, you know, we, we don't need a huge sample size to give us direction on how we should be pursuing this, the stories and the value props and things of that nature. Sure. So it could be claims testing, like we, like what language you actually put on this package. Yeah. Um, it could be stuff that we riffed on earlier about positioning. Um, like, do people know what we sell? <laughs> do, like, yeah, yeah. Do, as I said, um, do, is it clear that our pro our product is a unique solution to a problem? Like, is that coming through? Yeah. And Matt, actually, you know, you have a customer even using Enquire Labs who actually like totally changed what, what their core audience was based on just asking a question, right? Yeah, exactly. We keep hearing that story time and time again, where it's like, oh, we just implemented a simple survey and just asked one question and decided to then update all of our landing pages, all of our ad copy and everything, just because we got this little piece of feedback that was like, 
yeah, we're talking to the wrong customer. <laughs> we keep hearing that week after week. So it's definitely not going away. And I think the more that people start to value this, the more they'll kind of put their kind of time, effort, and resources behind it. So. And again, that's like the local Maxima thing, right? Where you always got to remember, like you can be talking to the wrong customer and still do okay. If you keep banging on optimizing for that wrong customer, like you'll do okay. But you know, you could, you could be in a totally different place if you would acknowledge that alternative reality exists. Um, but you need to be able to talk to people to, to understand that. So it's not so much tunnel vision as just like not having access to different perspectives. Um, yeah. So yeah, Matt, that's cool. That one question stuff. I mean, obviously I love that stuff. Sam, you're, you know, I, I think of that in the same sense with your like question of the week, uh, newsletters and your, and even the, you know, the book that you're putting out here, uh, I always enjoy like the power of the way that you, the question gets asked. And like, you know, when you think about like the underlying rationale behind why you asked a question that way. Well, book is a very strong word. First of all, as, <laughs> as I told you, this is a, a quarantine project that turned into a PDF that then met the marketer inside of me to call it an ebook. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what um should uh, people be looking out for as far as best practices that you think they could, I mean, even if it's just one specific example or just any kind of guidance you'd want to give a brand that is working with you or, or just a general brand that's of a, you know, smaller, medium size, an e-com brand, a DTC brand. Best practices for survey-based research, um, which is kind of the, the tool and the, my methodology is to, yeah, just really like try to ignore the standard research questionnaire guidelines as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like, don't lead the participant or no double barrel questions or. <laughs> well, uh, what is, what is that? Just explain that to, uh. A lot of the folks who probably uh, it's know. like, do you like McDonald's and it's coffee? Uh, it's like, <laughs> like, whoa, you asked two things. <laughs> uh, you, those need to be separate questions. Um, it's like, okay, but it's not about that. I actually don't care the answer to that because I'm trying to get them to talk about their coffee routine. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting them in the zone a little. It's like, hey, you know how you like McDonald's and the coffee there? Like, yes. Okay. Um, tell me more about uh, why you like it. Um, it's like, okay, now, now we're, we're off and running. So it's yeah. like the double barrel question is like technically incorrect or something, but that incorrectness doesn't matter if you use it in, in the right way. Yeah. I do not know why this, this is like not obvious, I guess. And maybe I should just pass along where like, I really have been in meetings with Walmart and P&G where there's like passionate conversations about whether that counts as a double barrel question or not. Yeah. Really nerdy, like guys. <laughs> Understand why the rules or, or guide rails are there. And there's, you know, some legitimacy behind that. It's like, oh, well, you don't ask a double barrel question because X, Y, Z, right? And it's like, okay, that makes sense. I'm going to go ask it now. And it's like, as, lo as long as you're doing that under, you know, that model, you're okay. Like if you're, if you're just sitting there asking it because you don't know any better and you don't know why there's a potential flaw in doing so or why it might screw with your answer, then you're in trouble. But once you know what you're doing and, and why you're doing it, the value that you can get out of it is, is huge. And actually the McDonald's thing kind of reminds me of the, 
the the whole jobs to be done thing, right? And the milkshake, right? Like the whole. Oh idea. yeah. Like that's yeah, like good. that. There's there's a lot of questions you're gonna ask to get to that understanding of, you know, someone gets a milkshake in the morning because it takes the entire trip to work to drink it and it makes you feel good the whole way. It's like you're not gonna get that from asking like your standardized questions. Like that's a that's a real dig into the insight of the user there that you have to be more exploratory about. Yeah, it's a blank canvas and it's like kind of guarded by a bunch of Excel purists. <laughs> we're out of here thank you for listening subscribing and rating the show if you're a brand interested in strategic survey guidance check out sammcnearney.com or catch him on twitter at sam mcnearney you want to chat with inquire labs head on over to inquirelabs.com see you next time